Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm your host, Joe Velarde. I'm so excited to have my good friend, Roscoe Lilly, on the podcast with me. He comes from Clifton Park, New York. That's where he's at. And one of the things we wanted to do as we've pivoted in this reality that we're in with COVID-19 is we wanted to have guests in that weren't specifically just in the Lehigh Valley. And the reason why is I feel like there's so many lessons we need to learn across the board from other leaders outside of the immediate area here in the Lehigh Valley. So I'm hoping that you will lean into that part of the conversation, but also because these people who are my good friends and who have walked with me through life have deeply impacted me and influenced me. And Roscoe is one of those guys, and I wanted you to have a chance to hear from them as well. And then the last thing is I just have a lot of questions about life and leadership, and I thought it'd be fun to hit the record button while I'm having these conversations, which Roscoe and I have, have often uh, together. But Roscoe and I go way back, uh, way back in 2000, 2001, is when I met Roscoe, his wife, Mary, was working with me on staff with a youth ministry, a student ministry in the Kennesaw, Georgia area called North Star. And through that, uh, I began to not only have a a love and uh, appreciation for them, but to learn so much from them. And specifically, Roscoe was one of the first guys who I saw intentionally leave the Atlanta metro area to go to the Northeast. Uh, and, and to do that uh, was really not even on my radar or mindset at that point in my life. I, I had no desire to do that. <laughs> uh, but, but God, God in his, his infinite wisdom, uh, knew what he had for me and also knew the people I needed to be connected with who were ahead of me in that journey. And Roscoe is one of those guys. He's not only a trailblazer, but I, I really view him as one of the heroes that God has used in the Northeast to see the kingdom of God advance and expand. And um, as you are going to hear from him, uh, there's, there's so much about a tenacity and, and trusting in turbulent times, which really in a lot of ways, as you think about the beginnings of, of what he's established there in, in Clifton Park, New York, God's done this great work through him and his family there. So I'm excited to have Roscoe joining us today. Roscoe, welcome. Glad to have you here with us. It's so good to be here, Joseph. I just, I love it. I never had it. I never grew up with a brother, but if I did, I would picture it to be just like you, man. I just am so thankful for our friendship over the years. And, uh, and you've just been such a faithful encourager. And that has just meant so much to me. You know, when I think about the, the New Testament and I, there's a guy in there who you're very familiar with, Barnabas, you know, and he, his name was Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it means the son of encouragement. And if I was to ever meet Barnabas, I think he'd be a lot like you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just thank you for always being so encouraging about what God's doing here, just encouraging in my life. And mm-hmm. you always pick up a phone, call me on my birthday, let me know you're thinking about me, praying for me. It just, it means the world to me. And I know you don't do, just do that for me. You do it for so many other mm-hmm. pastors and people that have crossed your path. And so you, you've had such an influence in the Northeast. And I, I'm just so grateful to call you my friend. Well, the feeling is very mutual, brother. And I, I love, I love that you said that about Barnabas because that's really one of my life goals is to be mm-hmm. viewed like that, um, to encourage the encouragers because I know what it's like to lead, and I know oftentimes 
leaders uh, it's assumed they're they're taken care of and they're encouraged and uh, that's usually not the case uh, because it's often a, a road that's marked with a lot of tensions that you manage mm-hmm. at times loneliness because you're trying to figure out what's going on in you and, and we're around you and and what's next and and so I, I think it's so important to have people to, to share in life with uh, to be reminded hey this is who you are this is what I see and so you've, you've done that for me as well Roscoe I mean I can't tell you how many birthday cards I've gotten from you, anniversary card. You're so, I mean, you're a gift. You're a gift and a, an incredible brother to me as well. And so as we think about, we think about your story, your journey, mm-hmm. I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what's now known as Starpoint Church. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was a bit of a name change. Um, uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself and, and Starpoint, the Starpoint uh, Church uh, story and journey. Yeah, my wife and I, we... Uh, well, back up a little more, I grew up in North Carolina, and my wife, mm-hmm. she grew up here in New York State, where we live, and uh, we met in college, and uh, I spent a summer up here in New York with her family before we were married, uh, working for her father in a locker business that he has, mm-hmm. and um, they would drive 20 minutes, or I mean, I'd go with them, 20 minutes to church, and it wasn't because they passed a lot of churches along the way. The only churches they passed were Catholic churches. There, there just weren't any, um, uh, you know, churches that you could attend. Um, it wasn't like a, this was the my favorite one because of the worship, or my favorite one because of the pastor, the teaching, or the children's program. They just there weren't any churches, and I just really burdened my heart. Like, man, I can't believe it takes twenty minutes to get to a church. Like, that's the mm-hmm. only church in the area. So, man. Um, it was such a, uh, a burden on my heart. And we just prayed about that and what that looked like. And God opened some doors for us to, to move to New York to start a church. And of course, it wasn't what we thought it would be like. And, and um, we were just two young kids, 24, just wanted to make a difference for, for Jesus. And we is the old parachute plant where you drop in. You don't have a team with you, you know, the friends, there are very few churches that are being started that way. And for good reason, it's so Hmm. difficult. And I remember we got some advice when we were praying about, should we start a church in New York or not? And some friends of ours uh, who are older and along the path who had just mentored us. And they, they just said, you know, go, go someplace hard, go someplace Hmm. hard and plant your life there. And they said, specifically, it has to be 250 miles from Lynchburg, Virginia. <laughs> My <laughs> wife and I, we both, both went to Liberty. And there are a lot of churches and many churches that get started within 250 miles of, uh, of Lynchburg. And they said, you know, go someplace where there's not a, a strong gospel witness. And, man, it was, um, we had no idea what hard would, would be. And, it, you know, our first four services that we had, no one came. Hmm. That was such a disappointing time we're really questioned you know did we miss God's calling is this what God had for us and uh, during that time where it just felt like everything was falling apart we just started reading through the gospels and comes to Matthew we come to Matthew 20 verse 28 where Jesus said I didn't come to to uh, to to be served but to serve and to give my life for others I felt like the Holy Spirit said is that is that why you moved to this area did you move to this area to be a servant or did you hope to be a celebrity you, know, you hope to be like the next um, whoever, you know, in that day and today, just you know, there's always some 
some rock star pastor, you know, did you really move to this area to serve these people and to serve me? Or were you trying to, you know, make a name for yourself? And just like, man, so we started uh, serving our community in lots and lots of ways. We started off, my wife and I, with uh, where we would go to the old servant evangelism, you know, where you'd go to bathrooms or go to rest or uh, to restaurants and businesses and strip malls and clean their restrooms for free, you know, mm-hmm. and just all kinds of crazy community service things that we, that we started off with. And it's just really been a huge DNA um, for uh, our church is just having that, that servant's heart. You know, I often think about the parables of the, the soils, and uh, I had a friend um, who ran a church planting network in Atlanta, hmm. and uh, he he said, you know, why why is it that um, you know? Or well, let me back up. He he said that you know we could tell whether or not you prayed when you started your church here in Atlanta. He said if you had a hundred and fifty, if you didn't have more than a hundred fifty people at your first launch, we know you just didn't pray. Well, here in New York, if you had 150 people show up to your first service, that would be a move of God. You know, like why? And so why in one part of the country is that a move of God in another part of the country that's not considered a move of God, of God at all? And I, I think a lot of it goes back to that parable of the, of the soil that Jesus talked about, you know, that some, hard, some ground is hard, some ground is rocky, you know, some is good fertile ground. And I think this ground up here, you know, it just hasn't been plowed since Whitfield and Wesley and Finney and these guys came through. So you're going to throw seed out and not a lot of it's going to, going to, um, you know, catch root and start to grow. I think there's a lot of um, work that needs to be done as far as clearing the fields and brush and thorns and all of that sort of stuff. And there have certainly been people who have come here before me that I stand on their shoulder that has done a lot of hard work to clear the soil and clear the ground. Um, but when you start from a place that uh, there is just no understanding of um, who Jesus is and why he came is a, is a lot of work. Barna classifies, uh, you know, the Albany capital district. The last time he did this study in 2017, he said that this was the least Bible minded city in America, which is crazy to me. I mean, uh, Vegas is number six. Like, crazy <laughs> thing, like Sin City knows more about the Bible than little old Albany, New York. Uh, but uh, yeah, so God has just been so faithful. We've been here for 17 years. It's hard to believe that. Well, and I was going to say, as you said uh, about, you know, coming to serve versus being a celebrity, I, it always reminds me of what Jesus will say at the end of our lives. He's not going to say, you know, well done, uh, good and fruitful servant well done, good and famous servant. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think that that faithfulness, one of the things that I've loved watching about you over these last 17 years is this faithfulness that's led to fruitfulness, uh, that there's been a fruitfulness in your person, like who you are, your family's life, and then to your church and to your community. And I really believe you've sought to lead out that way. And, and I do think Many people don't realize, um, those who are listening to this, a lot of them are in the Northeast with us, but, you know, when we chose to come here, you know, God used uh, the vehicle of our wives, you know, my, my yeah. wife's from the Lehigh Valley, uh, Roscoe's is from uh, the, the Clifton Park area of New York, and, and um, began to show us what these 
these areas were like and allow us to see them, feel them, experience them. And I'll never forget when Roscoe and Mary and, and uh, one of the other guests that was on the podcast, Russ Butcher, we were all in, in the Atlanta area working at North Star Church and doing, doing things together. In that time, my wife came for a summer to visit and she just said to me, she said, you know that your youth group is bigger than most churches in the Lehigh Valley. And it wasn't just about size and scope in her mind. It was just about even what we were able to execute on and do, like the kind of music we could have, the, <laughs> the, uh, the buildings, all those things. And, 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 you know, what Roscoe and I would both agree with is it wasn't just about size and scope and bigger is better and more is, is what the, the, the ultimate metric is. It's really about planting the gospel, you know, in, in word and deed and seeing the fruit that comes from that. But what Amy was saying to me, and really Roscoe was the first person that I knew who intentionally took a step to follow God, to go to the Northeast, to go to a hard place, was, you know, there, there are opportunities. You, you're going to have to have eyes to see, and you're going to have to stay, um, stay pat in what it means to follow what God has for your life, even when the calling is difficult, even when the circumstances aren't the most ideal to not get distracted. And, and I said this recently in a sermon, but I think it goes to your point here, Roscoe, don't get distracted by, don't let, don't let um, compliments or criticisms distract you from your calling. And I think oftentimes it's difficult, especially in the area that we're in. uh, There's, you know, not a lot in the way of encouragement at times. And so it'd be easy to be like, Oh, compliments. You know, we start getting a big head, right? <laughs> Criticisms come. Oh man, I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not measuring up. I'm not, I'm not, you know, having an impact at all. And really that's not tr- true. And I think no matter where you are, as you're listening to this podcast on your own leadership journey, your spiritual journey, I think the question is, do you have eyes to see, you know, like there are opportunities. Yeah. There are a lot of obstacles, uh, but obstacles, really are what propel us into opportunities and, and to have the ability to see um, what's not there as we walk with Jesus. And again, I know not everyone listening to this is a follower of Jesus, but to even understand that he has a purpose for you and he has a purpose for me and he's created us on purpose. And so as I listen to even those 17 years, Roscoe, it's incredible to watch. And, and now you guys are, are making some big moves, even in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about, if you don't mind sharing about, you know, this recent um, focus as you guys were taking next steps with purchasing your building. T- can you tell that story if you don't mind? And I know that. Yeah, is- we, uh, you know, we'd been portable for 13 years as a church and um, our time was winding down at the school think they were kind of getting tired of us <laughs> uh, but uh, we enjoyed our our time with them and we knew that we it was time for us to mature as a church that we needed a place to call home a place of our own where we could um, expand our ministries and mature some of them and to do some things that we couldn't do without our own place and obviously you know we had done a lot of ministry without a place, but we knew that there was more that we could do with one. It was just a tool for us in ministry and helpful, be helpful for us. So we found an old uh, abandoned building warehouse industrial center on the edge of town. And uh, we had made a deal with the guy to move in and renovate it and purchase it. And well, we not to purchase it, but to renovate it. 
and uh, take care of it. And uh, it was, it was going great. We both had a great uh, experience there. We felt like it was a great picture of the gospel as well, you know, to take something that no, no one saw value in and to, um, to see value that others didn't see, to clean it up, make it new, give it a new purpose, a fresh start. And um, people were thanking us for what we had done with the facility. And we'd been in it for about, about 18 months. And we opened up the paper and saw that the owner was being foreclosed on in the building. And wow. like, oh man, that was a, a Merry Christmas for sure. <laughs> so then we're just kind of like, you know, so then we're in limbo for a year and a half. Like, what do we do? Do we purchase this? Do we go somewhere else? Do we, you know, what, what is the, the way forward? Forward. So, of course, we had to work it out with the bank and the owner and getting them all to agree to it. And then we had to uh, raise the resources to, to purchase the building. And uh, so we needed, uh, you know, with the cash we had on hand, we need to raise another $250,000 in about eight weeks to make that happen. And then um, we were halfway through that. We were in the fourth week and then COVID hit <laughs> and we had to you know, no one could come to church anymore. So, you know, we had our, our commitment Sunday was scheduled for two weeks out from the first Sunday when we couldn't meet. Uh, so we had to do commitment Sunday where, you know, that's where people bring in their gifts and their, their commitments that they're making. And <laughs> so, so no one can bring their gifts to church. You know, they couldn't bring their commitments to church. So I was like, I have no idea. Like who's ever heard of a church trying to do a capital campaign in the middle of a pandemic. It just seemed impossible. And uh, you know what? Our whole series was about faith and man, wow, it took a huge right turn. And, uh, but our people gave $340,000 in one-time gifts and another $68,000 pledged above that, which was just so amazing in the middle of this and you know we just say you know not to us not to us oh lord but to you belongs all the glory yeah failing love and and uh, faithfulness to us yeah i remembered uh, us talking about this initially so i remember like before this was all happening and you're like man like because we were you know we were trying to catch up and i i remember you telling me man like the thing the the owner had to foreclose on the, the, the building. And so we are at this crossroads and I remember you telling me this impossible story and I'm like, and we prayed together and I remember us praying about it. And then you're like, yeah, um, we're making some really good progress on that. And COVID happened. And then I remember us praying again and I was just like, wow, this is going to be a God thing. And, and it, and it has been to watch God show up in a miraculous way. And I think that really speaks even to um, compelling vision that is really saturated in prayer, you know, and, and really allowing people in to what's going on and, you know, not to limit how God's going to work, you know, because in the midst of COVID, you know, no one's thinking, you know, this is a great time to go on a fund, fundraising capital campaign uh, focus or emphasis, right? It's like, the it was crazy. It was crazy. You know, and I, you know, we, so we, then we had to film the celebration Sunday, you know, and it was, it was the strangest thing, you know, which is, it's so much to celebrate, but then I'm doing it in an empty room, you know, to, to the camera. And I, you know, my, my wife was in there mm-hmm. as I was filming it. And, uh, you know, it was such a special moment for both of us mm-hmm. knowing what uh, we've been through and, 
And I, I told my wife, I was like, man, if this room had been full with our church, which it would have been, you know, and our, our three services, I was like, that would have felt amazing. It would have felt amazing. And I would have enjoyed every moment of it. I was like, but I just think God orchestrated this in such a way that he was the only one who would get any glory out of that. You know, that God would be the only one who would get any praise because it, it would have felt good, you know, for myself to be like, look what we did, you know. And, but, you know, it was really, you know, the verse that God put on my heart was really that Psalms 115.1, you know, mm. not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name belongs all the glory. Well, it reminds me too of uh, what you said early on, those first four services 17 years ago. Uh, no one was there. And I know people were watching online or whatever, but I think it's a picture of his faithfulness all those years, man. And, I know uh, people are like, is it hard to preach in an empty room? And I'm like, dude, that's what my first four Sundays were like. <laughs> so right, every man. church planner knows what it's like to preach in <laughs> an empty room. That's not hard. <laughs> that's right. That's what people ask me too. And I'm like, well, I do practice friends as uh, already, you know, but I, I think the other part is to, to your, your point, that principle. But again, I think for all of us to be reminded that, uh, you know, a, a lot of times we want to get to where Roscoe is now 17 years into it versus being willing to be faithful and to plow the soil of our own souls, but even the soil of the ground that's right in front of us. And I think even as I listen to Roscoe share his own story and journey, I think it's a reminder to us to not, not be so quick to want a, um, a quick fix or to see immediate results, but rather focus on who we're becoming in the process. And doesn't, it's not bad to have goals. I think we would both agree, Roscoe and I, that you want to have goals. But, you know, I'm, I'm always reminded, even as I um, listen to James Clear, and he talks about, you know, the idea of, you know, creating habits in your life. A lot of times we get so focused on the destination that we miss we miss the goal of who we're becoming in the process. We miss the why behind what we're doing. And I think all of that is really important, even though what you said early on about, did I come here to be a celebrity or did I come here to actually serve a community? You know, uh, am, I willing, am I willing to preach to an empty room <laughs> and show up? Man, like those are, those are hard things for us to, to ask ourselves because oftentimes that's when we hit the eject button and quit, right? But to keep going, you know, and to have perseverance. And, then to re, um, readjust, as I listen to your story a bit too, Roscoe, about the, the model, the focus saying, hey, you know what, like maybe the focus was, um, you know, and a lot of this is what we've been taught too. It's like when you go plant a church, it's like, hey, go start, really, it's the equivalent of go start a worship service. <laughs> but really, but, but really, when you look at the idea of starting a church, when you read through the book of Acts and, you know, other places as well. Uh, it's really about going out to people, right? And, and coming together. It doesn't mean that, that you don't have a gathering element in there, but I think even being willing to shift that paradigm to say, hey, let's go scrub some toilets. <laughs> you know, let's go, let's go engage people where they are and, and then throughout it to watch what God's done and, and even to hear your heart. Because I've I known even through the years, um, your, your emphasis on God getting the glory prayer, growing in, in self-awareness. Just these are things I've gotten to see up close as we've talked through those things. And I think all of those are God glorifying and honoring. And so it's just awesome to hear that story. And I just love for people to be able to hear those types of stories as well, because I think it does encourage our hearts as we think about where we are. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm reading through the gospel of Mark 
in my morning prayer times. And, you know, Jesus tells this parable is that he likens the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so small and then it grows so huge. And, and that uh, we often think of the insignificant beginnings and just focus on that and judge the results based on the beginning. And I think Jesus is saying, you know, don't, don't judge the final results based on what it looks like right now or what the beginning is like, you know, being faithful to what God has called you to do to keep your hand to the plow. That even though things may seem insignificant in the beginning, that doesn't necessarily mean that the results will be insignificant. And boy, that has been a, a tough challenge for us over the years of just, keeping our hand to the plow, you know, when no one would come. And then it was like, all right, we have 35 people here. How do we grow beyond that? You know, and what does it look like at 50 people? And we're now at 75. Is this all it will ever be? You know, 125. Is that all God will ever do through our church and 200 and then 500 and, you know, 600. And, you know, so just, every one of those steps of just being faithful. And I, th I think one of the great joys I've had about being here for 17 years is just now beginning to see generational fruit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that now parents who are first generation Christians, now their um, children are Christian and going like one of our seniors this year is leaving to go to Liberty to uh, study ministry, you know, to, it's awesome. You know, it's just such a, a joy, you know, to see that, that second generation of Christ followers raising up to, to uh, proclaim the gospel and uh, to, to share that with others just brings so much joy. I think mm -hmm. we're, something else where Jesus said, you know, no one has left houses or lands or mothers or, or fathers or brothers or sisters for my sake that won't be rewarded, you know, a hundredfold in this life and in the next. And mm -hmm. I think, man, God has given me so many brothers so many sisters so many spiritual mm. fathers and mothers and uncles mm. and cousins through his family that i would have never ever been blessed with without it and uh, you're you're one of those brothers you know that god has, has mm. given to me that mm. i wouldn't have had without this journey mm. that's awesome man well as we think about you know, uh, seasons of famine, <laughs> which, you know, which we kind of had hit on, you know, as we were being faithful in those even times, right, where mm -hmm. things aren't what we were thinking they were going to be. I, I think COVID-19 uh, has not caught God off by surprise, mm -hmm. but it definitely has been one of those leadership challenges for sure. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, Roscoe, as you think about COVID-19, uh, there's a couple of things I just wanted you to, to think about and, and to respond to is, is how, how have you guys sought to serve in the midst of this? How are, you know, how are you uh, leading your family through this time? And, and what are the things that you think forward? And I can repeat these questions as I'm giving back to back like this. Uh, what, what is, um, what are the things that as you look forward that you're hoping don't go back uh, mm -hmm. to the way they were um, in light of, you know, a lot of times there's like this, desire if we were kind of idealistic about what it was and i think covid kind of gives us a chance to say wait a minute like what are the things that i don't think need to co go back necessarily and that's not to say you have all the answers on all those things sure. uh but but yeah just you know to start with you know how, how are you leading serving through covid19 your family and then what are the things that you don't necessarily want to see go back <laughs> after this mm -hmm. is over mm -hmm. yeah for myself 
you know, to me, you know, I, I started the church so young, you know, that um, every season has brought new challenges, difficult challenges. And, you know, from losing our place where we're going to meet at, you know, to financial challenges that just that we thought were going to bankrupt us, you know, to foreclosure of our building, to having to raise resources. And then when COVID hit, it just felt like, oh, well, that's the challenge we get to deal with this year. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it, uh, I think something I learned about myself was just um, sometimes I, I second guess myself a lot of times, you know, wanting to have the, mm, is this the right choice? Is this not the right choice? And I felt like I, I trust myself more in this, uh, this season of leading one because no one else has ever been through this. So <laughs> We all don't know what we're doing. That's I, right. I don't know that anyone's going to say, hey, that's the wrong choice to make. There. <laughs> uh, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You know, so we can all go back after this is over with and, and certainly evaluate those things. But being able to, I, I think I've um, trusted, you know, myself and what I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us to do and how we move forward in that and as far as our church serving our community uh we, we do hunger boxes we've, we've done those for years these are um, students in our uh, school system who are on school breakfast and lunch and over the breaks you know they they're not they don't receive breakfast or lunch mm. and we've always provided food for those families over those break periods to get them through, you know, Christmas break, winter break, you know, spring break. And then in the summer, we provide food for them on the weekends. And so we just step that um, whole process up more to help those kids, you know, um, who and families who don't receive the food on the weekends. And so that, that's been great. Our small group systems, we call them growth groups. They've been doing some amazing things where they're shopping for seniors that they awesome. know and, uh, you know, picking mm -hmm. up prescriptions, sure. you know, starting, um, you know, new anxiety groups mm -hmm. and uh, our church is, has been such you know so externally focused it's, it's been a season where we've had to in some ways kind of stop and help our people process this to get healthy to then begin to to serve others mm -hmm. you know for them to be emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy that um, puts them in a place to to um to, to serve you know when, with this whole crisis i it seems like if you have a job you're working more than you have ever worked <laughs> in your life and that's certainly been true of me or you don't have a job and you know and that brings other challenges and at least in our church it doesn't seem like there's a middle ground where there's someone saying yeah i'm getting paid and i'm doing nothing <laughs> Some, you know so, uh, so people are, you know, are working like crazy and mm -hmm. trying to help them and, and care for them. And, and then with my family, um, you know, with my children, you know, specifically with my son, he's nine, mm -hmm. you know, just realizing like, I'm the only friend he has right now. Like he can't be with any of his other friends or his classmates. And um, that's, that has been such a challenge for him. So just even in the increased workload to make sure that I'm, saving enough energy so that when I go home and make sure I leave home to leave work early enough to, so that I can go home uh, to spend time with him and just trying to think of what are, what are some things I can do to uh, strengthen that relationship with him to help him during this time and kind of be his best friend hmm. this season. His sisters have each other and they play and they're, they're older than yeah. he is and, um, and their, their life's a little bit different, but for him, it, it has really been a struggle in recognizing that. You know, as far as things that don't change, man, I, there's, there are pieces, you know, 
we don't homeschool our children. They go to the public school system, but man, we've really loved and valued this time. It's been a really special time for my wife for her to kind of lead that initiative and charge and helping with the schooling of them has been such a special thing. So we're not sure what that looks like for us in the future. You know, we would have never in a million years thought we would, that would even be on our radar of, of a homeschool thing, but man, we've really, enjoyed that whole process but for things that i hope don't go back to to normal just in our church and environment it's just um the the absence of family connection mm. you know i mean like i mean for some of our families this is the first time they've ever had family dinner together you know and now you can't go out to eat you know mm. and to sit down around a table and to see people in our church posting pictures of them putting together puzzles and game mm. nights and going for a walk together and you know, I think people's lives have just been so overly programmed yeah. that uh, I hope that piece of normal doesn't come back, that mm. uh, people are really connecting with each other in the home level. You know, I, I know there's certainly a, an absence for um, those in our church community who are single, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a, there's definitely the absence of our um our friends that we miss, you know, being able to, to spend time with them, but at least on that home level. And uh, I, I, you know, it seems like there's a lot less consuming of goods, you know, like just people going to shop just to mm. shop. Now I know mm. people are shopping online now <laughs> uh, more than ever, but man, uh, just, you know, that I'm, I'm hearing people saying, you know, strangely enough, pastor, financially, I'm saving more money than I've ever saved before. And I, I would love to see that continue for people, you know, saying healthy in that way. Yeah, I think you're right on, though, with the connection part of uh, family and even friendship I, and neighborhoods. Um, I, you know, one of the things I'm hearing from a lot of people is definitely that family part of it, but even meaningful connections with friendship, like us prioritizing doing this, for example. You know, obviously, this is a favor to me that you're doing this as a friend. But it also is a meaningful connection point that I get to see your face. We're checking in, um, you know, and, and connecting in this way. Um, but I, I think even to understand, we don't have to limit how we can connect. And I, I do think there is something about that programmatic side, mm-hmm. whether that's in our ministry lives or our personal lives or family life, that a lot of times I, I think the thing we think we miss is the, the program part of it. What we actually miss, miss is the people part of it. You know, uh, that's the thing that really allows us to unpack um, what's going on in our circumstances and the content we're consuming too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one thing for me to talk about and to learn or read about somebody talk, you know, sharing about leadership. It's another thing to talk to a good friend like Roscoe, who's actually a good friend that knows me and who's living it out. And I can unpack with him like, hey, what's going on here? Like, what if, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm sensing and feeling. And then for you, to be able to speak into that. So I, I think that that part of it is spot on, man. I, I think that we need to really continue to hold that value up, you know, and as I mean, again, that we won't have some programmatic things. It's not, I don't think either one of us is saying that, but I, but I think, is there margin though? I mean, is there margin in our time in our schedules in our finances even, you know, are the things that we thought were so essential and important, are they as important as we, we thought they once were? Because I think the coronavirus is stripping a lot of that stuff away and is leaving us exposed to say, hey, this is what actually matters most. 
to, to who I am. And I like what you said, even too, about getting healthy emotionally and spiritually before we can go out and do something. I, I think across the board, we've got to ask ourselves that question constantly. Am I addressing the things deep within me? Uh, not in myself, but uh, with, with the power of the Holy Spirit, as, as we've been talking about through the finished work of Jesus, allowing him to go to work on me and then letting others into that journey. You know, that is an invitation and it's scary, but it's worth it. Right? Like Roscoe and I both, you know, continue to journey through that kind of stuff in our own lives as leaders, because we know as healthy as we are, that's going to dictate how healthy our families are going to be, how healthy our churches are going to be, how healthy we're going to actually be able to influence and impact our, our local community as well. So as the leader goes, so the organization goes, and usually that's about what we're learning in our competence, but I actually would say, it's much more about who we're becoming and that will lead to what we're going to do. And that, that goes across the board, no matter where, what you do, where you are. I mean, who are you becoming in the midst of, of what's going on? And I, I think we need to always be evaluating that, uh, not in a shaming kind of way, but in a way that prioritizes, you know, as Pete Scazzaro says so often, you know, you know, what you do is really important but who you are is more important. <laughs> like it's not devaluing work. Both Roscoe and I love to work. Like we, we love it. Right. So it's not that, but it's, it's not losing sight of ourselves. And I love even how you said for your own life too, to be um, not, you know, allowing yourself to be swallowed totally by the work, even though it has picked up drastically to have enough bandwidth and energy to connect with your son. So tell me a little bit about like, what is it that you do with your son? Roscoe, like once you get home, how do you, how do you guys share in, in life together once you get home? What are some of the things you do? Yeah, so he's really into turtles right now. Mm. So uh, there's a nature preserve park near our house. So we'll go there and uh, in the evenings because that seems, I guess that's the, the magic time for turtles. They're coming out. The yeah. muskrats are coming out. Um, thankfully, the black flies and mosquitoes haven't started coming out yet. But so we're just going and just trying to, you know, he's seeing you know, them, taking pictures of them with his phone and just. Uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So that, that's a fun thing. You know, some days we throw the baseball, you know, yeah. football. The days we're going for a bike ride, um, you know, and then uh, last night we're like, all right, buddy, I, I like to read for an hour before I go to bed. And mm. I'm like, what's your book? All right, grab your book, hop into bed with me, you know. So he read for a few minutes by himself. I can tell you he was tired. It's like, all right, now I want you to read to me. And to help him uh, with his, uh, you know, reading skills. And he's like, I'm not really good at reading out loud, Dad. And um, mm. he was fantastic. He did great. So, Dude, it's awesome, man. That's yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a special, a special time for sure, you know, these, these memories. And I, I think a, a lot of parents, even though it's so much extra work for them, <laughs> yeah. I think there's going to be a pace or a, a, a part of us that when we look back and like, and miss some of that, you know, mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of anxiety and worry about the unknown, but mm -hmm. I, I think there will be, I think people will reflect on this season. Like, man, I know that was scary financially and what it held for the future of our country, but I really miss part of that. I miss that, that season of being at home and being able to be more invested. So I, I hope, we were able to keep some of that pace of life, you know, at least yeah. on, the, on the home front. So you said it was challenging for your son. And if, 
you can share what you want to share, <laughs> by the way, if you're like, I don't, don't want to, you know, get, you know, whatever. Uh, but like, what's been challenging for him specifically with the oh, He's such a social guy, you know, I mean, okay. he is the life of the party. He's the typical, you know, baby of the family, third child, you know, just by the book and just so much fun. And so, you know, he, he can't hang around any of his, uh, his friends, you know, so we're trying to take social distancing serious, you know, and, yeah. um, and, and all of his friends are as well. And it's just, it's just sad for him that he can't, um, you know, go to their house, which he normally would, you know, go to school to see all of his friends, you know, it's, it's challenging. So uh, we're, we're trying to see if we can, you know, maybe possibly get some bike rides together with some of his friends. And, you know, he does zoom with yeah. meetings with his classroom friends and zoom with, you know, some of the, the church um, classes that he's a part of, but yeah. as you know, it's still not the same. Yeah. So your daughters, you said are doing really well in the midst of this. Yeah, They, they have each other. They're closer in age and um, you know, they're, you know, connect on, you know, through their phone, through FaceTime and those calls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Know, so that's a little bit different. You know, they bike ride, you know, with some of their friends or see some of, you know, see some of them, you know. Yeah. Know. So I had a question for you in, in light of all the leadership demands that are going on right now. And again, we're learning together. So mm. <laughs> I think one of the things that is happening naturally and I, I think it's getting a little bit better. This is just my observation. I may be off on this, but the fatigue factor mm. for leaders, because I think compassion fatigue is very real yeah. um, and organizational fatigue, especially when you're having to move your systems, your platforms, the way you would normally go about doing things. There's just not routine um, mm. until you have to create new routine. So I would just wonder, I was just curious how have you fought that fatigue and what would you recommend for leaders in the midst of that? Yeah, it's such a great question, Joseph. You know, originally I think we thought, you know, Hey, this is going to be a three week deal. We okay. just got to push through it. This is like the Christmas push or the Easter push. It's just <laughs> a season. It's going to be tough. You know, now we're nine, we're on our ninth week for us, you know, with our ninth Sunday of not having services and then like, okay, this is not, a Christmas push or an Easter push. This is the new normal. Yeah. So we definitely had to kind of push back and think about how do we recalibrate now that this is a, um, this, this is normal now. This is, this is life for the foreseeable future as we haven't even got to phase one yet here in New York and uh, being that the epicenter of it for our, you know, country and, you know, that the governor is talking about opening up in different parts, but then at the same time, he's concerned because, you know, the people downstate come upstate, you know, because the shops are open or salons are open or restaurants are open, then <laughs> it spreads all over again. So um, that this, this is that, that new normal to recalibrate and say, okay, well, so now we still have to set, you know, hard stop times for yourself you know mm -hmm. the work never ends there's always more to do and to recognize that um you know there are some other things at the end of my life that i want to be known for besides just being a pastor and one of those is uh being a father you know and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the only father my son will have you know other people will have multiple pastors in their life but i'm mm -hmm. his only dad and so how do i spend some time with him you know i think hobbies are important they're always important you know yeah. the same yeah. things that you would use 
when we wouldn't be in COVID are still applicable mm-hmm. today. You know, date nights with your spouse look way different, <laughs> you know, um, family time, which we have more of that obviously is important and, and doing those things that fill up your soul, energize mm-hmm. that and, and to be able to look around and see what do other people around you need, you know, like what are your, what are your family needs, your, your staff, what do they need yeah. being for them? Yeah, I think, I think that's really good too. And I was going to ask you, like, uh, when you think about hobbies, I think you've got one of the most interesting hobbies. I keep a sixth generation beekeeper. Uh, so my uh, sixth my generation, grandpa, sixth generation. I yeah. didn't know that part of the story, dude. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. And can people buy like the honey online? No, nah, no, nah, there's nothing on, nothing on mine. All right. I didn't know. I didn't know. With COVID, <laughs> if, you, if you took your hobby to another level, you know, and, and started, and started uh, doing that kind of stuff. But I think you're right though, Roscoe, on feeling that part of you. You should remembering first, like what's most important, you know, I'm a husband and a father first, right? Mm. After a follower of Jesus, these are mm. my next two roles. But I think also the, finding those places and spaces to, to fill up your, your soul. I, I do think that's really essential. And one of the things I've been doing, even in this season is playing basketball as much as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a hoop uh, right outside my house now and, and just trying to, I have, I keep the ball in the car in case I see a hoop <laughs> that I can pull over and it's like operating within social distancing uh, as well. You know, you know, not going to parks that are closed obviously, but, as you think about um, the hot spot that you guys are in, because you're in a hot spot right now um, in New York, right? I mean, that's like right. the epicenter, and we're in a hot spot too. I think, you know, preparing ourselves for the long haul, I think, is really important as well. To not, um, I think a lot of times we want it to be quicker than it's going to be. And I think it's best to prepare for the worst case scenario and, you know, hope for the best. But, to prepare for the worst means you're also looking at this isn't a sprint, but it's a marathon. And I think we have to keep that mindset in because as what you were saying before about the Easter and Christmas uh, push, like, man, that is, you know, it's different, you know, it's gone longer. I mean, we're like in, I think week nine, (laughs) you know, know, like it's, you know, and I don't, I don't like similar to your governor, our governor here is, you know, he's giving some ideas of, the phasing, but we're, you know, we're weeks away from that. And even, I don't even know what that means for uh, crowd sizes and, and all those things. Like there's nothing really concrete yet on that side of it. Um, but as we think about what we can be working on right now, even within just the life of what's happening with COVID and looking ahead, one of the gifts of this season, and I think you have to be really intentional with it because what we just said is so true but it'd be easy to just focus on what's happening right now. And you need to, you need to deal with this. Like we're not saying (laughs) um, we're not uh, under underselling what's going on, you know, or overreacting either, but we also need to have space to think about the future um, a bit. And one of the ways you do that is to, to think through systems and systems really are the ability to have these processes in place in order to execute upon what's mission centric, it gives you a process that's repeatable and can be adjusted as needed as well. And this is a, a my succinct version of, of saying this, but Roscoe is one of those guys who not only has a huge heart and loves Jesus and loves people, 
but he's really gifted on this realm of, of systems. He thinks like that. And so, Roscoe, I wanted just to take some time with you here um, to share with us about how vital systems are in, in seasons like this and beyond. Yeah, thanks, Joseph. Yeah, I, I would, before we jump into this one, I would add, though, too, to fight fatigue, you know, that our spiritual practices and our spiritual yep. disciplines are so, so important. Mm-hmm. You know, that I don't think it's just hobbies, you know, I think for sure that it's, uh, you know, your, your morning prayers, your evening prayers, you know, reading God's word is so, so important to instill that into your life. And I think too, when you pray, sometimes the way some people pray, I think it stresses them out more. It gives them more worry. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, God, I'm so worried about losing my job. God, I'm so worried about, you know, help me keep this, help me keep this. And they don't feel any more peace because all they've been focusing on is the negative. And, and I, I tell you, I start every morning my prayer of, I force myself to say three things that I was thankful about mm-hmm. the day before. So good. And, and taking three things, it's like, oh man, that was an amazing thing that happened yesterday. Wow, that was great. That was great. And so even when there's some difficult things that have happened, you know, by forcing myself to come up with three things and write them in my prayer journal and confess them to God and, and thank for thank him for that it makes such a difference in my own heart and life, even when it's difficult to uh, to do that. So I mean, I, I think those spiritual disciplines of of praying and um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say that too. I think it's like this life giving system, right? Like this is a, you know, I think they work together. This is a systematic way, not rigid or check off the list kind of way, yeah. but saying, Hey, this is an intentional way that I'm like three times, you know, I'm going to say three things I'm thankful for. Hmm. And, and I've been even uh, recently because sometimes my mind is like, just there's so much coming at me that I've had to even, um, I got this email that kind of, just did not sit well with me <laughs> recently. <laughs> like, um, and it wasn't necessarily that the person was trying to be whatever, you know, it just the way, you know, some things were said uh, one way initially and then it changed, you know, and I was like, what? This is like kind of weird. Uh, and I was having a hard time letting it go mentally. Like I just kept thinking about it and um, I was at a park and the Lord was just like, man, you need to just quiet yourself before me. And uh, one of the things I did and I've been trying to do is model my prayers after the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I've been doing that is to what Roscoe was saying. It gives me, it forces me out of my headspace of what my current circumstances are. And yes, I'll talk to him about those, but it, it allows me to look at uh, life from a bigger picture of who he is, what he's done. He's my father in heaven. You know, he's always taking care of me. You know, he's working things out, you know, all these things um, that are, you know, that are going on in our lives. And, and even to, to make sure that we are expressing that gratitude for who he is and what he's done. And, you know, I just, I think that's right on, man. I, I think we cannot forfeit that part of us because it's easy to just get hit the ground running. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's a system that you create for yourself. <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily a system that you're creating for the organization that you're charged with leading, no. but it's uh, leading yourself well. And I think that even having systems for yourself um, can help you help you lead, lead yourself better. Well, yeah. Cause I think it's really about understanding that our root systems will lead to our fruit systems. That's right, okay. man. And so, so what, it's a good one. <laughs> so whatever our root systems are, they're going to lead to that fruit system of our life. You know, our, if we're constantly giving over to anxiety, we need to look at the root system. What, what's happening 
deep down. And I, again, I think we're, t- our tendency is to look at the fruit part of that and not get to the root and say, wait a minute, like, hey, what is happening within me? You know, what, what do I need to intentionally add or I'm not uh, attending to um, that I need to and I need to give attention to? Because again, we're not going to change the fruit. We can just, you know, we can uh, modify it. We can um, solve the exterior, ex, um, exterior issues. Um, you know, we can deal with sent systems or symptoms, excuse me, and, and yet never get to the, the heart of what's going on. Mm. And so we really need to get to the root part of this. And, and really what Roscoe said, I don't want us to miss this as leaders. The, the greatest gift that we'll ever give to ourselves and those around us, and I'm convinced of this, is a close, intimate walk with Jesus. That's the greatest gift because it's through that that we receive his love and direction for our lives. And as we seek to love, serve, and direct people to what he has for them as well. Uh, you know, we don't want to forfeit that in the midst of all the stuff going on. So true. I mean, everything flows out of a healthy soul. And I think you can create systems to do that. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. when people hear systems, they think, oh, it's so boring. But man, I, I, have, I, I love systems so much. I, I have a one for every day of what I pray and how I pray it, you know, and then when I get bored with that, I change and create another one just so that I can keep my mind focused on what God does. I, I recently heard a definition for what a system is, is it's, uh, or how to create one. It's who does what, when. And I think it was Craig Rochelle who was talking mm-hmm. about this a while back, but um, it's, it's who does what, when is a system. And that has been so helpful for us as we create our systems and to go back and refine some of them is, uh, you know, who's going to do what and when are they going to, uh, to do it has, has been a very helpful thing for us. And, you know, Peter Drucker says, anytime your organization grows by 30%, you've got to redo all of your systems hmm. and they need to, to be uh, worked on. And, you know, I, I think a system that has served us so well, during this time is our small group system mm-hmm. that has been the most powerful thing that I think has really kept our church together. And so yeah. I heard people talk about church during this season. I, you know, they talk about like online church systems and, you know, video systems and all, all those sorts of things. I just haven't really heard a lot of people talk about, you know, mm-hmm. the small group system and structure mm-hmm. and that that has been so important for our church. You know, I, maybe before COVID, I would say our services were the, the heads of the, of our coin, you know, and the tails were our groups. Mm-hmm. And now it has flipped where, you know, the head is definitely the groups and the tails are our service, you know, that that's mm-hmm. really what is keeping people together is our, um, our small group structure and how they're caring for people. And, you know, the best things about church have always been free. The most important things about church has always been free. You know, how you love for people, you, how you love them, how you care for them, you pray for them, and uh, you, you know them. And, you know, th- those are such important things that often get overlooked in a church, uh, especially maybe in what church was like before COVID, you know, with the lights and the, mm-hmm. the auditorium and the cameras and all the technology, all the toys, the bells and whistles, you know, that sometimes can um, crowd out the most important things of church and really so much of I, for us anyway, during this system, this uh, season has been very much um, the soft skills of church, you know, Mm -hmm. of loving people well, of Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, calling that we, you know, as soon as it started, you know, we were on our second round, we just finished up our second round of calling every single person who's ever been to our church, <laughs> you know, like, how can we pray for you? How can we care for you? Is there anything that you need? You know, yeah. writing tons and tons of letters, all of our ministry leaders to our volunteers, you know, mm. lots of mm. meetings, you know, phone calls, you know, just so many things that um, I, I think we've definitely lost some of the efficiency of uh, communications to our our church but the quality um have just gone through the roof of really caring for people and um how we can pray for them and what we can do for them and help them and love on them i think this is the time where the church can shine the brightest for sure yeah i think there's a depth that we have uh an opportunity to seize a depth of relationship a depth of connection and it's, when you ever, whenever there's depth involved, it's usually going to be less efficient, you know, because it's just like what you said early on about when you're plowing the, the field, right? Like it's going to take longer depending on the amount and what's to do and the layers and, you know, like the, all the moving parts. Um, and, and I think that's a really, it's a really good observation, uh, Roscoe. So I wanted to ask you, like, what systems do you think are vital to have a healthy organization. And I know um, there's obviously some carryover for all organizational life, and then there's some that may not necessarily uh, carry over, but specific to the church. So I just wanted to give you a chance to speak into that as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know, you know, rank order, which one is the to, most yeah. important one, but for sure there's synergy between all of these systems, hmm. you know, I, if in the church world, which I'm a part of, you know, I, I think this, this small group system is so important that, um, you know, as your church grows larger, you know, you may not be able to know everyone's name. And um, certainly I wouldn't be able to care for everyone in our church, but we can, you know, we mm. as a church together can care for everyone and love them and that no one has to be left behind. Mm. If you're willing to be known and loved deeply by 15 people. Mm. And so to have those groups and be, be able to multiply. And in fact, I think that's going to be the first thing that opens up for us as, as a church and in our area are our small groups in person mm. for people to be able to meet and, and what does that look like for us? But, you know, I think that's an important system. You know, there's the, uh, the which is also kind of a part of a care system. What does yeah. that look like for people in a church, you know, and how they, uh, I mean, that, that seems to be the reason most people even leave a church or is hurt the most is because in their time of need, they, they weren't cared for, you know, when someone, when they were sick or someone they loved died or they're going through a hard time that the church just failed to, to take care of them. So that's an important piece for sure. You know, there's got to be, you know, if you do worship services, there's obviously a system around that that's important. There's financial systems about how to raise resources and use those appropriately. Um, you know, there's uh, facilities, kind of <laughs> all kinds of like the physical plant piece of um, systems that, that go into that that are that are important that happen, you know, communication systems. Those are key now more than ever. You know, what does that look like? Hmm. So those are some. Yeah. Some oh, those are really good. I was going to ask you, how would you recommend, and I know you started off early on with like who does what, when, which I think is really good. Are there any tools you would recommend going through to help determine how your system, you know, works and operates is there anything that you have on, on that, that side of it? Well, I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's so many 
people have been, no matter what industry you're in, there's someone else who's been down that path before you and to find that person and and let them mentor you or see if they would let you use their systems, you know, to, to give you, so you're not starting from scratch that you can build off of, you know, I mean, like the, the HR system that most places have to use, you know, that's pretty standard across most um, industries. There can be some things that you'll need to, to adapt for your area, but, or for your industry or your specific um, uh, organization. But man, I, I think that you can really adapt from other people and use those as a giving you some things to think about and to save you from a lot of pain and, and heartache down the road. So I know that we have benefited from multiple other churches who have been so generous to help us think through some of our systems Hmm. and what we need to do or change. And yeah, I think that's, yeah, I was going to ask you. So Roscoe, when you talk about the care system, because I know you said a lot of people are hurt often because of that piece of it. What does your care system look like? That's our point. Man, we, we learned that the hard way, the whole, the, care system was um we i was on uh, vacation and a person who was so important to our church um and a significant giver at our church Mm -hmm. as well that um her father died and um no one from our church showed up to Mm -hmm. the funeral it was Mm -hmm. awful i mean like there wasn't a car there wasn't a flower no one from her small group went um, none of the ministries that she served in, none of the ministry leaders, no pastoral staff went. I mean, no one went. And the problem was everybody else thought someone else was going to do it. Mm. You know, they thought, oh, well, their small group leader will be there. I can't be there. Oh, the pastor will be there. Oh, he's on vacation. You know, oh, this pastor will be there. Our care pastor of all people will be there, <laughs> you know? And it was uh, this, we, man, it was just so awful. And she had posted something like two weeks later, you know, on, on social media, like I'm really learning who's caring for me and showing up in my time of need. And it's mm-hmm. not who I thought it would be. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And I saw that on, on vac- vacation because I was gone for a couple of weeks and I picked up the phone and started calling people. Hey, did anyone go to this person's funeral? Did anyone? And no, I thought this person was, no, I thought this person was, no, I thought, Oh no, this is awful. So bad. So I called her and just apologized and just said, I am so, so sorry. We failed you. And, um, it's just awful. And here's the things that we're, you know, doing to, um, try to make sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else ever Mm. again, you know? So, but, you know, you have to have systems around, um, people who are in the hospital, you know, systems around, baby, you know, all life events, you know, that are so important, you know, births of baby, someone who's sick, someone who's hospitalized, someone um, who uh, loses someone that they love, you know, um, what, what is the church's response in all of those situations and what do we need to do? You know, there's a great book too called, um, you know, the power of moments and just talks, you know, they talk about, you know, the bank being there for people in powerful moments of their life, you know, like when you buy a house, you know, and what if a bank was to comment and all that? Well, I mean, the church is there in every moment, you know, from from the cradle to the grave, you know, from birth to, you know, from the womb to the tomb, you know, the, yeah. the church is there and man should really care and help people in all of those, those seasons. And uh, as you get more and more people there, there have to be some systems 
it can't just be word of mouth. It can't just be all oh, this person's doing that. So, so as people have babies, mm. let's just like, cause I know there's a lot that you mm. could talk about with care system. So let's just take one example. Um, so someone has a baby at your church. How do you know, not necessarily specifically you, but how does the church know, Hey, this person had a baby. Um, yeah. And then what, what happens after you guys acknowledge, Hey, they had a baby. <laughs> what, you know, what does that process look like? Yeah. Well, and I think part of it too, you have to recognize with systems is that uh, sometimes in church, we're not mind readers, yeah. you know, and yeah. we don't have tabs on everybody. We're not listening in on your Alexa device. So <laughs> like, people have to, you know, they do need to speak up if they need something, you know, they do need to speak up from time to time if they need some help. Um, but do we have places for them to speak up to, you know, yeah. is it clear and obvious how they speak up? Do they know how to ask for help and where to ask for help? Those are important pieces. So with families who are part of our church, you know, usually, you know, that, that is one of those life moments that people at children's registration, you know, keep tabs on, you know, for that. Um, our children's director is so good at that with her team. Um, of like looking for and identifying that she would probably be better on how to um, yeah. what those specific qualifiers sure. were but i mean i like it's fun things like they go visit the them in the hospital you know they give the the baby a onesie with our church you know logo on it i think it says like i'm a star point baby <laughs> and um, it looks really cool then they give like a mom survival pack and it's got like some fun stuff in there it's like uh you know, I don't know, like earplugs because, you know, the baby's going to be screaming, you know, like a bag of popcorn because you're going to be, there's no more date nights for a while. <laughs> you know, you're going to be in and I don't know, there's a whole bunch of stuff in that survival kit that they give mom. That's kind of fun and, and cute. And we just get so many great, great responses from that as far as to help them on that next step, you know, and just tell them what their next step is. Your next step is to dedicate this child to the Lord, you know, mm -hmm. give them God. Yeah, I think I think the thing I take away from that too is you know back to the clarity of who does what when. Um, I think it's about understanding who manages these systems, and obviously as the point leader, Roscoe, we're looking at hey, how I need to you know we need to verify what's going on here, right? Like so, there's check-ins, but there's also this point of is it clear to those who you're serving and leading, do they know where to go? So. That's one of the things that I've been really working through as I look ahead. A lot of times it's not that it's not happening, but it's just vague. And so I'm realizing even as we think about systems and this goes across the board, no matter where, where you uh, lead at, you need to strip away any form of assumption, any form, whether that's verbiage, whether that's, Hey, I thought this person was going to do this. Like Roscoe talked about in that example of, Hey, we thought this person was showing up at the funeral. There's an assumption there, right? Um, uh, assumption around um, what success looks like, even in said role. Like we got to strip away all that stuff and be so clear because everybody comes with expectations and experiences. And mm -hmm. what that does is when there's assumptions, they're going to lean in on their expectations and experiences versus crystal clear language. And I'm not just saying words words with definitions because we can use the same words and have two different <laughs> definitions that's happened how many times right i mean mm. so i think i think that is a really an important part in this as well is to understand 
um, that as we go forward with what we're doing, um, to not assume anything. Um, because when we do that, we inadvertently uh, create frustration for ourselves and for those that we're leading and trying to serve. And then that ultimately leads to fatigue. And that fatigue, really, without us knowing it, uh, can, can force unnecessary wedges <laughs> into relationships and into the organizational life. And so I think we've got to be real intentional with it. And some of that is just learning. You're, you're, we're all learning together in this journey. And some of us are more system oriented than others. But even if you're really good at systems, that assumptions piece, especially the, the longer you've been somewhere, is just there. But as Drucker said, and I agree with that statement, anytime there's growth, especially 30% <laughs> growth or more, like you need to change the way that you operate. And, and you know, th that is painful because that means that all that hard work you put in to what it is that you've done, it needs to be adjusted. Uh, but it's worth it because, again, what you will do if you're not careful you'll still be looking at the fruit. Man, I'm frustrated with the fruit we're getting. Let's change, let's, uh, you know, change the color of this or <laughs> you know, let's, let's add this little like tweak here when really there's a root issue, right? And so then you start even not only changing the cosmetic side of it, you start going against yourself or others and creating kind of like a blame game when really it's not usually uh, a person uh, to person problem it's usually a system problem now there is some people dynamic in that too for sure but if there's not clarity around the expectations uh, and there's assumptions given uh, again you're creating a system <laughs> uh, that is going to lead to you know frustration and and so i don't know do you agree with that statement 100 percent. and i think you know everybody has a system whether it's written down or not there is a system for how you're doing things and it may not be clear to anyone but to you, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's, it's there. And so the, I think the key is that, and the leader is the only one who can drive this, is you have to record everything down mm -hmm. and, um, and then to make sure that it, it's recorded and people know what, what it is and it's been practiced and verified. You know, a, a person is not a system. And I That's think right. that that happens so often in any organization is like, well, we have you know, a video guy, we have a graphics guy, we have a web guy. And then when that guy or girl leaves, it's like, oh, how do we get content on our website? I don't know. What is the password for that? How do we, you know, what's the login to that MacBook? I don't know. Does Who knows what it is, you know? So really having, you know, things begin to um, grow quickly and can quickly get out of hand. So I think you just really have to to drive that. And, you know, anytime you start something new is a great time to just document those processes. So we're really trying to do that with all of our online church stuff and, mm. you know, the things that we're doing, you know, live and, you know, writing it all down, who does what, when, and verifying it every week, having other people use those systems. Hey, does it make sense on how to log mm. on and start act doing, using these programs? Because eventually when we do meet back together again, um, you know, somebody else is going to be doing it. And is it clear for them how to do it and what it looks like? And That's so good, man. That's so good. And so Roscoe, if we want to learn more about not necessarily just systems, uh, but the other things that you are writing about, thinking about, uh, how do we do that? Where do we find the musings of Roscoe Lilly? 
<laughs> I do have a blog. It's uh, roscoelilly.org. And, and it's a really good blog, by the way. So he won't say that, but I'll say that. It's a really good blog. Go ahead. I appreciate that. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I haven't, boy, in the last, since January, my life has been so crazy that um, I have not been able to add to it. I was there for a while, well, for three or four years, every week posting uh, a new one. And boy, my life since we moved into this building and all the crazy things that have happened, I haven't had the time that I wanted. And I was finding that I was using my day off, my whole day writing, and it was tough, you know? And I felt, I heard Larry Osborne speak. He was like, you know, I wrote my first book, he said, when he was in his, I don't know, like 38 or 40 or something like that. And he Mm -hmm. said, I just, I lost a year and a half, two years of time with my family. And he's like, I'm never going to do that again. And he Mm -hmm. said, once my family's gone, then I can pick that up again yeah. and start all over again. And I, that for me, whatever reason was so encouraging and freeing to say, you know, there, there will be lots of seasons in life, but right now this is not the most important season for writing in that capacity. I do a lot of writing for church internally stuff, but you know, in that external way um, that there will be other seasons for that. So I post from time to time, post my, um, my favorite readings from the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that one for sure. But yeah, you can find that one there. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. Well, Hey Roscoe, how can people connect with you and uh, learn more about Starpoint? Yeah. Our, our church's website is starpoint.church. Starpoint.church. You can send me an email at Roscoe, R-O-S-C-O-E. He's the key thing there at starpoint.church. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're on social media as well, right? So it's sure, just, yeah, Roscoe Lilly. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, Roscoe, thanks so much for being on the Vision for the Valley podcast. You are a real gift to me and to so many others. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, you have been so faithful and it's led to so much fruitfulness. I know you've heard me say that to you hundreds of times, but I mean it. And I just thank you for taking the time to be with us today and even just, um, your example too, man. It's a real gift to to be able to stand on your shoulders as you're ahead of me and ahead of others as well in the leadership journey. So thanks again for being on the podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I do love you, Joseph. Love you like a brother. Thanks for Uh, letting me be on. Love you too, man. You're a gift. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 